So guys, today we're in the second part of our Abundant Life uh, series. And today we're looking at first fruits. So last week was the heart of generosity. If you missed that, I encourage you, go and, go and listen to it. If you didn't listen to it, you may find some stuff today uh, a little bit challenging. That's why we did last week. Yeah. But I know a lot of you guys listened on, on, the, on the WhatsApp group. Last week, I told you guys a story about Jess and I coming here to Hong Kong and just how God was challenging our hearts to trust him. That we'd saved up over the course of nearly two years, £6,000, and in the space of really a couple of weeks, God challenged us to give half of it away. This thing that was our security this thing that we, was our hope for sustenance and provision in Hong Kong. And through that, giving it away, and then suddenly we had more coming in and going out. After four months, we had £18,000. Just an incredible blessing poured out into that. And God had taught, taught us this thing of don't, where's your heart at? Where is your heart? Because he wanted us to learn that money is never our security, that it's never the source of an anxious free life, that he is the source of our blessing, that he is our blesser. And so I shared that story, but there was one part of it I didn't share with you guys, that actually at the beginning, hello, should I start again? No, I'm joking. Um, at the beginning, um, when Jess and I got married, we were actually in debt. You know, we weren't starting from zero and start saving the £6,000 up. Actually, we were in a really bad situation where we were in debt. We loved the student overdraft. It's basically, there's no interest on it. And Jess and I both um, took full advantage of that. And we were living in the student overdraft. We were both about £1,000 in debt each, so about £2,000 of debt. And every month, we would kind of come out of that and go back into it. We would just live in this overdraft. We never really, we, we never got into the black. That means we never got into having, we were always in the red. We were never in positive. And so it's come to this stage where it was just getting ridiculous and months went by and nothing had really changed. And we were at one of the, one of our sessions with, the, with one of the pastors at the church and we, we were explaining about this and it's a challenge and he, he said to us do you guys give your first fruits I said what do you mean he said do you guys tithe are you guys tithing and we, we said well no we don't have enough to tithe and the guy said the pastor said okay guys I'm going to challenge you challenge, I challenge you to test God in that and tithe give of your first fruits and as well as that, he signposted us to, to some good just financial management tools for looking after the other 90%. And so we started tithing, bringing this 10% of our gross income to the church. Something we found in our life was that the 90% went way further. And once we struggled with this debt for so long, in the space of four or five months, we were in the black. It was the first time. We'd ever, as a married couple, been kind of positive financially. And since that day, it's been a priority for Jess and I to tithe. We've never had to worry about money. We've had times where we've had plenty, times when we haven't had loads. But we've never had to worry about it. We've never had to borrow. We've always had enough. And so God taught us a lesson in this surrendering the first fruits to him that 
and challenged our hearts to be say, are you surrendered to me fully? Are you trusting me? Trusting him to come through. That he taught us that the tithe isn't this kind of weird religious law that has passed away, but it's this principle of life. That the first fruits given, or the first fruit given, the first given, blesses the rest. We realized from that that how we handle our money, it's important. How we handle our money directly impacts whether we experience or don't experience many of the blessings that actually are available to us. And as we go through this series next week, we're still we're going to be going deeper into tithing as well and unlock it. So that you may have some questions coming out of today, some ah oh, yeah but moments, but they're coming up. So here's the big idea. The first fruits given bring blessing on the rest. The first fruits given bring blessing on the rest. Giving the first is an act of faith. It's not a thing of law. It is an act of faith. Trusting and surrendering to God. Trusting him to bless the rest. We need to understand this principle of first fruits. And it's, all, it's also called the principle of the firstborn. And also the tithe. Understanding this principle will radically transform your life. It's transformed my life. I can testify to it. I bet there's many people here who tithe and know this, and we could get, we could get them up here. Maybe I should do. Maybe I'll get, do that next week. To testify about the blessing that comes from giving of the first fruit. There are many other principles around surrounding money that depend on this thing being first. Tithing is very basic. It's very foundational to our giving. So here's the truth. The first belongs to God. Big G. The first belongs to God. The first belongs to God. So I want to go through these three things I mentioned. The firstborn, the first fruits, and tithe. So first, let's crack into the firstborn. Amazing principle here. You guys know the story of Moses. We've spoken about it many times. If you've seen Prince of Egypt, that's what that story is. For three, sorry, for 430 years, the people of Israel had been enslaved in Egypt. They were slaves and God called Moses to go and set the people free. Saying, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh doesn't, does he? And so they, these plagues start until we get to the last plague, the 10th plague, which is the thing that, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back in a sense, is the plague, it's the end plague, it's the last one that sees those people set free into their salvation. That final plague, God takes for himself what is his. He takes the firstborn, doesn't he? He takes the firstborn. It's not just a punishment on Egypt. He takes the firstborn of all the people and all the cattle. The Israelites too would have died, but they had to do something. God gave them a command. The firstborn of Israel, they're saved. Their lives are complete. Their, the firstborn's lives are redeemed because of the blood of a firstborn lamb that is sacrificed 
and put on the doorpost, spread across the door, so that the angel of death, when it passed through Egypt that night, would come to that house and see the blood, not because they were Israelites, but because of the blood on the door and pass them by. Because those inside, the firstborn inside, had been redeemed by the blood of a spotless lamb. And so whilst the, and we know with the story, the firstborn of Egypt die, the firstborn cattle die, and they say, get out, get out. And they're leaving Egypt. The Israelites, they're leaving Egypt. They're traveling, but they're not in the wilderness yet. They've not gone through the Red Sea. They're still in Egypt. And whilst they're still on that journey from where they were slaves in, in the main city in Ramesses, on their way up to, I think it's Succoth, they're on the way up there. God says this to them in Exodus 13, we're going to look at 13, 2, and then also 12 and 13. He says this, consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. See, the truth is that the firstborn was either to be sacrificed or to be redeemed. There was no other option. The clean firstborn had to be sacrificed. The unclean firstborn, i.e. the donkey or the human sons, had to be redeemed by the spotless lamb. Exodus 13 occurs way before the law is given, doesn't it? That doesn't happen until they're much further on, until they're actually off in the wilderness. Because sometimes people talk about all this topic we're talking about is just something locked within the law, when it's not. It is a timeless principle. The people of Israel, they're still in Egypt at this time. And then God says this, the people of Israel at that very moment are living in and under abundant grace. They're living within the grace of God's salvation. They did not, by following law and works, earn their salvation from Egypt. They're, they are experienced, they're, they're right in the middle of what is about to become the forepicture of Christ. The, the, the forepicture of what Christ would do. See, they're living in the middle of their salvation, which is totally done by God's hand, through his abundant grace and in the midst of that moment in the midst of that place of living in God's grace he says this to them and then years years later I just want to step out of that story of the Israelites for a moment years years later it's echoed forward in the New Testament John 1 29 the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who is Jesus? He is the firstborn of creation, isn't he? It says he's the firstborn of creation. He is God's firstborn son. He's the clean, perfect, spotless Lamb of God, destined to take away the sin of the world, destined to take away your sin. Why? Because he would be sacrificed 
so that you could be redeemed. That he would go to the cross so that you could be redeemed. That by his blood, we, those who are unclean, would be redeemed. When he redeemed us by his sacrifice, he made us clean before God. This is the beautiful principle of the gospel. That because of him, because we can now have faith in him and faith in what he's done, you can now be redeemed and stand before God. Jesus was literally a first fruits offering by God. This firstborn offering that we would be redeemed. Jesus was God's tithe to redeem us. The firstborn lambs in that story were given that the rest of the flock would be blessed. The firstborn was given in faith. We're going to look at this later. The firstborn was always given in faith, not as an act of law, but as an act of faith. When you give the first, it is an act of faith, surrendering and trusting in God. Jesus was given in faith before God, before, sorry, before we ever believed. If you look at Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's like that's similar to how we give a tithe, similar to how we bring our first fruits. We don't know how, we don't know what we're going to need to spend stuff on. We don't know how, sometimes for some tithes, we don't know how much we're going to get in. But it's given at the beginning before you see the blessing, before you see the breakthrough, before you know how much you're going to get. It's not given at the end. See, the principle of the first fruits is very powerful. What we give God, we don't lose because it is redeemed. What we withhold from God, we lose because it's not put in the hands of God to bless it. So tithing is an act of faith, surrendering to God, where we trust in him alone for our provision and for our abundance. We give God the first. Saying, God, I'm giving you the first and trusting that you're going to bless the rest. It always requires faith to give the first. It always requires faith to give the first. The tithe is not a law. It is an act of faith that brings life, that brings the blessing. It's an act of surrendering to God and trusting God to look after and bless the rest. Let's go point two, first fruits. Later on in that Exodus story then, the people of Israel, they're in the wilderness and God is giving them the law. God's speaking the law and he's speaking it to Moses. Now, he's speaking stuff to them that was in operation before. It's not that suddenly we're just creating this random law. It's just this is what is a good thing to do. This is a principle that unlocks God's blessing and you should do it. You know, murder is, is says thou shalt not kill, right? Thou shalt not murder. Well, it was never okay to murder before the law, Cain and Abel, right? It was never okay to murder after the law. Today, we wouldn't say, ah, oh, murder's fine today. Adultery is fine today because we live under grace. It's not. So, 
Exodus 23:19a The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of in, sorry the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God The verse teaches us two things we're going to go into some of this stuff more next week but just to go over it one the f- it isn't just a portion of your first fruits it is the first portion of your first fruits the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. It is the first portion of your first fruits. We'll look at that in a minute. And two, it speaks about where this tithing to God, this bringing the first fruits should go. That it's not just anywhere, that it's into the house of the Lord, that it's bringing it into the church. Proverbs 3 9 to 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops, then, then, is this principle being lived out? Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Tithing honors the Lord. Bringing your first fruits honors the Lord with our possessions, with our, with our finances, with the first fruits of our increase. Giving our first fruits, it is an act of surrendering to trust the Lord. Giving before we know how much we're going to get. Before we know how much we're going to have. Trusting him that he's going to bless and redeem the rest. So then years pass with the people of Israel in the desert, in the wilderness. And a whole generation dies in the wilderness because they won't trust God and go into the promised land. And only Joshua and Caleb are left of that original generation. And Joshua leads the people in to take the promised land. And they go, and what is that first battle that's fought? The first city that's taken. What's the first city that's taken? Anyone want to go for it? Jericho. Jericho, right? Jericho is the first city that's taken. What were the people of Israel allowed to take from the spoils of Jericho? From all the gold and silver and iron and things like that. What were the people of Israel allowed to take from Jericho? None of it. None of it. The Lord said, all of this belongs to me that you've got to surrender that to me you've got to give that to me it was the first fruits of their conquest of the promised land let's read joshua 6 19 and 24 all the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the lord and must go into his treasury and then you may think well sure they'll get a whole bunch of other good just useful things right pick up some clothes some adidas trainers They burned the whole city and everything in it, everything in it. But they put the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and irons, where? Into the treasury of the Lord's house. See, it wasn't conquer 10 cities and then you need to honor me by giving me a 10th of what you've you've conquered. It was give me the first and I'll bless the rest. Trust me in this. Surrender to me in this. That would have taken faith. How much faith would that have taken? Tithing is the same. It takes faith. 
Think of the riches of Jericho. It's a big town, amazingly wealthy place. All these people have grown up in a desert, haven't they? They've, they've grown up in a desert with nothing. They've grown up on stories of the promised land that God is leading them into, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of abundance and provision and blessing. They don't have loads of stuff. They don't have loads of wealth on them. And now they go and they take the city and there's stuff and there's gold and all these amazing things. Surely it would be so easy to be like, wow, that's amazing. I've got all this stuff now. That's great. But God says, no, you've got to surrender to me. You've got to have this heart of trusting me to bless the rest. That these are the first fruits. The first fruits belong to me. That must have been a real challenge for them. What did God say would be the result of keeping any of it? Joshua 18, just before that verse, says, But keep away from devoted things, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. But we know the story. This guy, Achan, took some for himself. He made the spoils not blessed. He brought a curse upon them, brought trouble on Israel. His actions caused that blocking, that curse, to come upon the Israel's blessing of moving into the promised land. They, they didn't experience the blessing or continue to experience the blessing because the first fruit was kept and a calamity came and the blessing didn't come. Through the Bible, that's what we see that the tithe is. See, it's either consecrated or it's cursed. It's not blessed. It becomes this thing where we don't experience the blessing because it's stolen from God. In Malachi 3, it says this. It's clear that keeping the tithe is robbing God, stealing from him. So, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you, God? How are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. We live under a new covenant. We live in the new covenant. Jesus has taken the curse of God's judgment upon himself, hasn't he? Not tithing won't send you to hell. So don't worry. Not tithing won't send you to hell. But there is a promise and a principle which is timeless in tithing, in giving your first fruits, because it is an act of faith that releases a blessing. It's an act where we're surrendering to God that releases this abundant blessing into our lives. That the first, that principle of the first blesses the rest, is there. It's the same as if I... We have healing today, right? We believe in healing. But if I don't step out and act in faith and we pray for the sick, I'm not going to see people healed. Someone asked me the other day, we don't see people healed. I said, well, how often do you pray for the sick? I said, oh, we don't. I said, well, then you probably won't. That we believe that we need to believe, right? 
Repent, believe, and be baptized. That we believe in Jesus. That we have, we act in faith. That we get, that we get baptized because because we believe in Him. Even that our belief is an act of faith. What does that bring about? Out of God's grace, our salvation. We lay hold of it. We receive it, don't we? It is the same for tithing that we won't see the abundant blessing which we receive as we act in faith in this manner of giving our first fruits. We won't see the blessing that comes from following this principle if we don't do it, if we don't receive it, if we don't receive that grace from it. See, God says the firstborn, the first fruits, and the tithe all belong to him. He says in verse 6, he doesn't change. That's encouraging. He doesn't change. Because it's the New Testament, the blessing that we get from tithing, the blessing that we get from bringing him the first fruits and coming before him and surrendering to him and trusting him with our finances and with our stuff, hasn't changed. The blessing from giving our first fruits is still applicable today. Firstborn, first fruits, tithing is not a law to make us righteous. It is not a law to make us righteous. We are righteous because of Christ. It is a timeless principle established by an unchanging God of grace that we would be blessed. That we would be blessed. See, the tithe belongs to God. The firstborn belongs to God. The first fruits belong to God. And when we give our first fruits in faith, blessing comes. Personally, I can testify to the difference in my life when I've done this and when I haven't. I've seen the difference. First fruits, it's about faith, not law. It's about faith, not law. And go back and listen to the thing last week, because if you're doing this thing in order to get money, you also have the wrong heart, because you have a heart with the spirit of mammon trying to get stuff. It's not that. We find this amazing example Way before the law, in Genesis 4, 4, 3 to 5, Cain and Abel. Let's have a look at this. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering. Fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor upon Abel and his, off- and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry. And his face was downcast. Why does God accept Cain's offering? Sorry, accept Abel's offering, but rejects Cain's? Why does he accept Abel's offering, but reject Cain's? See, Cain doesn't bring him the first fruits. He may have bought him the right quantity, let's call it 10%, but he didn't bring it in the right order. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the, fu- some of the fruits of soil as an offering to the Lord. Once he'd seen how much there was there, he brought an offering in. It's not the first fruits that Cain brings. Abel, on the other hand, brings the firstborn of his flock. The firstborn of his flock. You know, sheep aren't popping out sheep that regularly. It like, takes some time to grow, a, to grow a lamb. And so suddenly, all your sheep, they, they, start, they start giving birth in this flock, and he doesn't know how many lambs that year are going to get born. 
It's not just one lamb. That, okay, well, God, you can just have this one lamb. It's not the firstborn of the entire flock. It is the firstborn of the, of the flock. That There are all these, all these lambs born, and he brings a, a large portion of them to be killed. He doesn't know how many, whether that lamb's going to have another baby. It, think how much faith that takes. That concerning his wealth, that he's completely surrendered to the Lord, to trust him, to bless the rest. I think it's, we can so easily jump by it, but it's such an extravagant picture of giving when you literally have no idea how many other lambs are going to come and that you are giving abundantly to, to God. Because God sees Abel's faith and, and his trust and his surrendered heart to the Lord through his giving. That he doesn't just give after he knows how much that he's got. That he gives first in faith that God will bless the rest. You see, money is a thing which is tangible and spiritual. It's something there to test us so that we can live out these principles of having a deeper relationship with God, walking closer with God, surrendered to God, trusting God. God is looking at our hearts. Point three, tithe. God is looking at our hearts when we give. The tithe must be first. It's a test of our trust and our surrender that he is the source of our blessing. And in doing it, it releases a blessing because the first blesses the rest. You know, what's the tithe on 100 Hong Kong dollars? If we're saying it's, good, if we're saying it's 10%, it's $10, right? But which $10? It's the first $10. It's really challenged me. This is one thing I used to do years ago, but in the last 18 months or so, I've been so busy, I've, I've really let this slide. That how do I honor God? That's, that's what I've been so challenged with preparing today. How do I put him first? Because often I have salary come in and I sit down to do banking and sometimes I'm like, okay, I've got to pay the rent. So I pay the rent first. And the very first thing I do is pay the rent and then I pay another bill and then another bill and then I pay my tithe. But you know, the tithe isn't a bill. It's an act of worship where we come before him and we say, God, you get the first. You get the first. I trust you to bless the rest. And so that's something that I'm going to really challenge myself in. That's something I'm going to change. That the very first thing that goes out of my account after receiving my salary is going to be that. Tithing is giving the first of the first fruits. Romans 11:16. If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. The first given redeems the rest. It blesses the rest. It's one thing that Jess and I are going to be very diligent over in the, in the coming months, in the coming years. And we're, going to, we're going to change it. That We're going to test God over. And you, you may be sat there or maybe listen to the podcast thinking, James, you're just being a bit pedantic. Surely it doesn't matter. But you know the diligence of handling finance is something that the Bible speaks about in many places. There are actually over 2,000 verses to do with finance and money handling in the Bible and 500 to do with faith. There's 16 of Jesus' 36, 36, 38, I forget the number, parables 
are all about money. Being diligent with the handling of our finances is something the Bible speaks about a lot. Even going so far as to say is how we handle our money will determine whether we can be trusted with true blessings. Because if you can't even be trusted to manage this, how can you be trusted to manage something which is a true blessing? And so I've been really convicted how I treat money, how I've treated this blessing from God, that I've been blessed abundantly, this money under my care, this money that I am a steward over. And we'll speak about stewardship later in the series. But that sometimes I've had time where I've treated it with a flippancy. Ah, oh, it's okay. Well, just no filter in there. It's all paid on the same day. I've treated it with a flippancy that God actually didn't intend for me to treat it as. That actually he intended it for me to live diligently in it so that it would be a blessing. In order that it would be a blessing into my life, a great freedom would come into my life. It is the first portion that redeems the rest. The first portion that carries the blessing because we put it into the hands of God, the blesser. That's why I'm now deciding that the first thing I'm going to pay isn't going to be to my landlord, it will be to the Lord. Because there is this point of the first is where you're giving the most honour, where you're giving the most credence. Tithing is powerful because it is this tangible, regular, active, spiritual step of faith that puts God first in your life. It, as I said, money is a tangible and spiritual thing. Money helps us tangibly act in faith and put God first. It's this practice of, of surrendering. It's this practice of trusting. Because it can be so easy just to trust in money instead of God. And actually it really blesses us one way is it puts everything else in order. See, if God is not first, if God is not first, nothing will come in that order. And tithing is a blessing on us because we can actually, it's a practice where we actually put God first and live with God first. And then we begin to see God first, not just in our finances, but in other things, our friendships, our marriages, our health, our family, our jobs, our careers, our church life, our ministry, all these different things, everything. Because it isn't about God getting the cash. It is about you and your heart and your relationship with him and your surrender to him. The tithing brings a blessing to your whole life because it is a practice of surrender. My conviction is that I would rather live off 90% that has been blessed than 100% that hasn't. Giving is a challenge. Money is a challenge. It's a challenge for us in our hearts. We spoke about that last week. There's that grating in our hearts. It's a challenge for the church globally. I've got a very old statistic from 1998 just to share. That, and it's based in the USA. That Christians earned 5.2 trillion. Total giving to ministries, missions and to church. So not just tithing. This is all giving, it's tithes and offerings and gifts, everything, was 97 billion. That's 1.7%. I don't think the stat would be too dissimilar for the UK or too dissimilar for Hong Kong 
today. See, God does not need your money. God does not need you to give. He doesn't need you to give. He can sort money out any way he wants. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need you to give. But you need to be blessed. And he calls us to surrender to him. God calls us into blessing by following principles that he's laid down, that have been there, that are timeless. For Jess and I, how did he get us out of debt? Give the tithe. Honour me, trust me, and I'll bless the rest. For us to come to Hong Kong on our provision and our abundance, how did he make that 6,000 go to 18,000? Because you know what? He could have just got someone to write a 12,000 pound check and just doof like that. He could have done that. But he wanted to teach us a lesson. lesson. What did he get us to do? He got us to give half of it away. Got us to surrender our trust to him. So it's not about money, it's about trust. Lots of this money stuff grates with us. It's hard for us. That's why last week we had to deal with our hearts before we could even begin walking into this. Tithing is that regular act of faith that keeps us surrendering and trusting God more than money. Biblical finance begins in this principle of the tithe. It's not an advanced thing. It starts here. The first fruits, the firstborn. It's his principle of bringing abundance and blessing to you, that we start by giving. That you bring the first of our increase, sorry, that we bring the first of our increase into the Lord's house and the rest is blessed. That's foundational. And that we're blessed to be a blessing, that we can then give other ministries, that we can give out into all kinds of amazing things, bless each other. So, just coming into an end here, how do we apply this to our lives? Test God in it. Test God in it. We're diligent with it. We just start doing it. We start doing it. Today has been focused with regard to the principle of the first fruits about bringing it first. Next week, we're going to be going deeper into tithing, looking at some of the challenges and some of the questions that come up surrounding tithing. Because it's so important. And so as we go from here today, this week, the, I want to challenge a few actions. I want to challenge those of you who, like me, do tithe, give regularly, but maybe didn't have that same diligence of making it the first thing. Let's do it. Let's test God in it. Join me in that. Make it the first payment of the month. And I, and I say, if you, this isn't your church, but you do go to a church, you're just visiting today, or you can't get to your church because of all the stuff with the virus, please go and, go and do this. Go and do it with, that, with your church. Give to your home church where you're grounded, where you're being fed. Take it into that house. For those of you guys who don't tithe, Take some time as we do our response time. Check your heart. Just spend some time, not in judgment, just ask, why is it that I, that I don't tithe? Why don't I tithe? Sometimes people are counting the tithe as like an offering and giving it to all sorts of other things, good things often, which is great, but it's not the tithe. Do you fear maybe if you tithe that you're not gonna have enough? 
Do you have a fear surrounding trusting God and surrendering to God in that area of finance? My challenge would be bring in the first fruits. Take this week, pray through it, listen to next week, and test God in it after that. And so, Sarah, can I invite you to come up? Guys, we're just going to have a little bit of a response time. Just use this time to speak to God. Use this time to speak to Him. If you're here today, oh yeah, <laughs> if you're here today or listening to the podcast and you haven't ever accepted Jesus, you've maybe never realized that He died for you, that He's made a way for you to have this relationship with God. And you want to follow him today. You want to take that act of faith and say, yeah, Jesus, I, I'm gonna, I believe in you. I believe in you. I want to follow you. If that's you, I want to invite you to pray that prayer. Whether you're here or on the podcast, just pray this after me. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for paying the price for my sin so that I could come into the presence of God. I choose to make you Lord of my life today. I choose to follow you today. From this day forward. Amen. Guys, if that was you and you prayed that prayer, if everyone here just closes your eyes, if you pray, everyone here just closes your eyes, if you prayed that prayer, just pop your, pop your hand up in the air and I'd love to connect with you afterwards thank you just give you guys a moment if you prayed that prayer just pop your hand up in the air if you're on the podcast and you prayed that please send us a um, a message through the website we'd love to connect with you so guys, I'm just going to pray now and then some of us will come around and pray. If you would like prayer, hold your, just hold your hands out. Just hold your hands out open. If money is a real challenge for you, hold your hands out. If you felt guilty from today, that isn't the heart of what today is. If you've got a challenge with it, let's talk about it. Speak to me. If you're struggling with money anyway, debts and things like that, let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you for today. And Lord, I thank you for this wonderful person who's responded to you today, who's coming on this awesome journey with you today, going deeper with you today. Lord, thank you for them and their life. Lord, I pray for us as a church family and those, those of us who are part of other church families, God, for the church in Hong Kong and the world, God, Lord, that we would get this principle, God, of the first fruits of surrender and trust in you, God, of stepping out, God, and bringing you, bringing you that first fruit. Lord, that you would pour your abundant blessing on us, that we could be abundant blessers to the world. Yes, Jesus. Lord, I pray just a great peace in this place today, Lord, that you would meet each of us where we're at and do a work in our hearts, God. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.